What's up, guys? It's Murph. Quick disclaimer before we get to the start of the podcast here. We were very excited to find out that the ACHA was back this week. We originally thought that based on the schedules we had seen that the first game was going to be Midland traveling to Waldorf. So we talk about that a little bit on this podcast. Turns out the first game of the season actually happened prior to this episode being recorded. And that was between University of Mary and Jamestown University. You Mary won the first game of the ACHA season, defeating the Jamestown Jimmies by a score of 7-4. to four. Marquez Ginger of Jamestown scored the first goal of the ACHA season, 17 seconds into the first period. Shout out to him. He gets the puck for the first goal of the ACHA season. Turns out there are actually a couple more games on tap for this weekend. TCU takes on Texas Tech. And then we've also got Iowa State is going to play this weekend as well. So definitely a lot of ACHA this weekend, and uh, hope you like the episode. What's up, boys and ladies, of course. Thank you for joining us for episode four of the Hockey House podcast. I'm Murph, joined virtually on Zoom by Fitz and Glick. Fitz, how are you doing today? Doing good, Murph. Uh, just happy to be talking some fuck with the boys. Glick, how are you doing? Doing great, boys. I'm starting to really look forward to these, uh, to recording these um, podcasts every, every Tuesday. So We feel like we've been doing them forever. Yeah. You know, it's, it's become a thing already. It's definitely getting more normal, like uh, the preparation for this, less nervous, just going on and, and hit and play. Um, we've got some news in the ACHA this week to kick off the podcast. We don't just have to awkwardly sit here for a couple minutes and, and blabber um, about what's going on, but uh, the ACHA is back, believe it or not. Um, this weekend, we've got some ACHA hockey on tap, uh, the Midland University Warriors will travel to Waldorf for a three-game series. Um, For those of you who don't know, Midland is in Nebraska and Waldorf is in Iowa. And these two teams play in the Midwest Collegiate Hockey Association. Fitz and Glick, did you guys know that? Up until you said that, like, not too long ago, I didn't know these schools existed, to be honest. About 10 minutes ago, we learned about them. Yeah. <laughs> and now they are going to be kicking off the ACHA season. Um, Midland finished last year 41st in the nation, and Waldorf finished Division One ranked 55th. Um, so these two evenly matched teams in the Midwest, um, I think this game should be on ESPN. I was going to say, <laughs> but, but they, they should uh, – whoever scores the first goal, that puck needs to go somewhere, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. That'd be I'm not maybe, sure. Maybe we can get one of the uh, Midland guys to uh, pick up the the first uh, goal, the first puck that scored, and they can uh, send it off to us, and we can uh, start a collection. Yeah, the the Hockey House Hall of Fame. Uh, we'll put we'll put uh, 
Heinz's uh, broken cage in there after, yeah. after his yeah. interview. His broken cage can go in there. We'll get a, a plate of chicken parm for Ford yeah. Yeah. and uh, an empty bush light can for Ben. Um, I think it'll be perfect. We'll just get something from some each episode. Um, but Midland and Waldorf are the only two teams playing. Uh, Liberty will divide up into two teams and do an inter-squad scrimmage, uh, the blue and white game. That game will probably be the most attended game in the ACHA this weekend. Um, but like we said on last week's episode, Liberty is limiting the capacity at the Hay Ice Center to less than 1,000 people. Um, so they're going to have to find some way to get fired up for this inter-squad scrimmage. Um, I'm sure they'll have the uh, inflatable tunnel going, the smoke machines, and the scoreboard going for that one. Unsure if Liberty will have the concourse open. If they do have the concourse open, there will be no burgers, right, Glick? Yeah. Uh, I was really disappointed going up there. They have such a beautiful stadium, a nice jumbotron, but not a single burger in sight for me to review. Very disappointing. That's tough. And uh, this week we did introduce something new on, on the social media. Uh, we released our beauty of the week. That, that honor goes to the two guys from UNC Wilmington, uh, Will and Logan. Uh, they were announced this week as the safety officers for UNC Wilmington club hockey. You need to hire your own coaches, schedule your own buses, but you also have to be certified in first aid and CPR. And that's what these boys are here to do. Uh, they posted a hilarious picture and a press release on their Instagram. Um, photo was definitely not Photoshopped, 100% real. Um, but these guys, they got the honor, first uh, beauties of the week. Um, so anyone else listening here, if you've got a guy on your team who's being a beauty, doing something crazy, maybe he's putting some pucks in the back of the net for Midland or Waldorf, but uh, <laughs> we'd love to keep doing that in the future. So if you're listening to this now, feel free to send us a DM at the hockey house podcast on Instagram. And we'll be sure to get that up on the social media channels. Tonight is also the NHL draft. I know this is coming out on Thursday, but we're recording Tuesday night. And in celebration of the draft, we are going to be talking about Daniel Walcott. He is from what we understand, the only player to play in the ACHA and then get drafted by the NHL. If somebody wants to fact check that for us, that'd be wonderful. But, as far as elite prospects pages go, Daniel Walcott has to be the most searched player in ACHA history because for those of you who don't know, he played the 2012 13 season for the Lindenwood lions where he scored 13 points in 33 games. That was him fresh out of high school. Um, and then he got an offer to play in the queue and he went there for two years and played for Blaineville Bois Briand before being drafted by the New York Rangers. His rights were eventually traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, he's been playing for the Syracuse Crunch basically ever since. Recorded 19 points last year, season high. Glick says it all the time, but the dream is ACHA to the show, right, boys? Yeah, for sure. That's the motto. And it looks like he might be living at some point. He's, you know, farthest I know of any ACHA player. I mean, I've heard of some guys going playing in the Fed or – out in like France's third league, but he's actually, you know, professional hockey player. He's living the dream. The fact that he gets like, he got a year at Lindenwood, which is a nasty team in the ACHA, like you get to enjoy your ACHA hockey and then uh, go to the show is pretty sick. <laughs> and I, I was like, I didn't want Tampa Bay to win, but 
a, a, there was a small chance that I thought he might have been on that playoff roster. And I was like, oh my gosh, if, if Daniel Walcott gets to go on the ice and lift the Stanley Cup in the bubble, but uh, he didn't crack the bubble lineup. Um, but he is a fan favorite in Syracuse. I know that uh, going to the games. Definitely no ACHA players getting drafted tonight. That's for sure. Um, Probably not. But he he's keeping the dream alive. That being said, we've got a, uh, an interview coming up for you guys. Uh, one of Glick's buddies, uh, Forrest Hines. You want to talk about this, Glick, for a little bit? Yeah, he's um he's a good buddy of mine. I've known him for a very long time. He played a year at Temple University way back when and then transferred over to UD, played four years there, and he's been retired for a couple years. But great guy, great interview. He had some funny yeah. stories. All right, and without further ado, we're going to turn it over for this week's interview with Forrest Hines. This interview is presented by Selly Hockey Co. If you haven't checked out their vintage collection, you got to get on it now. Um, you can find Selly Hockey at sellyhockeyco.com. Their new online store has just been released. They've got some unreal 90s graphic hockey tees based on some of your favorite hockey movies. Definitely worth checking out once you're done listening to the podcast. <laughs> Our guest this week played five years for two schools and was a 2017-2018 DVCHC Goal of the Year. Please welcome my good buddy, Forrest Hines. See, you nailed that first time. It's a good interview. Glad to, uh, <laughs> glad, glad to be here, boys. All right. So um, can you give us a little timeline of your hockey career from before college to making the ACHA and uh, switching from one school to another? Give a little background to our listeners. I mean, my hockey career, if I could sum it up in one word, would be like, uh, mediocre, <laughs> you know, tier two hockey forever. Uh, I think I played like one year double a, um, went to nationals that double a year, which was pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, the blunder really began from the gate. Uh, when I got to temple temple is where I spent my first year. I was, uh, I was coaching a hockey camp the week before I went to school. Um, so I had like my little coaching bag, and uh, my parents brought my bag up separately from when I moved in. And for some reason, they put my skates in my, uh, in my coaching bag. So first day of tryouts at Temple, I uh, didn't have my skates. So I was like, cool, we're off to a solid start. I was like already looking into the roller hockey team, ready to call it a career. And then somehow ended up making it. And uh, my first year at Temple, you know, I was just uh, – and rode the pine fourth. It was like three, it was two juniors, a senior and me. So that year I was just like a, a pylon in practice, you know, it was like me and the rink shooter tutor. Um, once I got to Delaware, that's, that was the, that was when it really started when, uh, when the career really began. This is kind of a question that we've been, it's going to become a staple on this podcast, but what was your welcome to the ACHA moment? Well, so my welcome to the ACHA moment, as I said, uh, first year was kind of nothing still had dreams going into that first year at UD. For those of you that don't know, University of Delaware has three teams. So I was like, all right, D1 tryouts, here we go. Uh, all, all three teams try out separately. So D1 tryouts. Um, I did all right, but it didn't work out. And then I got sent to D2 and made it through all the D2 tryouts. And then they had like a uh, scrimmage game. And uh, as I said, at Temple, I, I didn't see any games. So it was the first time I played in a game in like a year and a half got lit up so down to d3 i went and uh the the coach down there was a new guy they just the d3 team was only like three or four years old the, the coach's opening line was uh 
you guys are real lucky to be here. When I was your age, I was uh, knee deep in the shits with an M16 over my head in Vietnam. So you guys are lucky to be playing hockey. <laughs> so when I when I heard that line, that's when uh, that's when I knew I was I was in the ACHA. And then that dude's practices were a shit show. You want to hear about some fucking wild? I can curse on this podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear about some fucking wild practices? This dude was nuts. He would uh, he would stack tires like four high at the blue line and have us take off from the goal line and be like, jump it. The goalies too, or just the players? Yeah, yeah, no. So it got to the point where we had we had two goalies and a practice goalie, and the practice goalie was like. I mean, the kid could barely skate, but since this kid was willing to jump four tires at a time, uh, <laughs> the coach was like, I want to get him some playing time. We're like, dude, you can't skate. I'm sorry. I don't want to jump tires and shit. Um, he would, uh, he would have us jump rope. Like he would bring out like an eight foot long rope. And while the skaters skated circles, <laughs> the goalies were supposed to jump rope. He would tell us, uh, he was going to make us do whole practices with our skates untied. So we got stronger on our edges. If, if you know anything about goalies, there's a famous goalie coach. I think he's still with the caps or maybe he's with the Islanders, uh, Mitch Korn. And he has a drill where he would blindfold the goalies, but it's like a, it's a really structured shot so that you have a chance. And this dude put a bag over the goalies heads and just let forwards walk in and rip it. And he was like, I it's it. This drill is so you don't cheat. And I was like, dude, I'm just trying not to get fucking killed. Are you crazy? Um, Sound like drill straight out of the Mighty Ducks movie. Yeah, yeah, dude, this guy was a psychopath. Like, yeah, like I said, I made it. I made it four or five shots in the blindfold drill before I just took it off. I was like, there's no way. I'm not. I can't even see the. I'm cheating more because all I can see is a silhouette of a guy with a puck, and then I hope it hits me. Yeah, that dude got. I guess fired, but I guess, I guess technically he resigned around week five of the season. And that's a, that's a story in and of itself. I don't know if you want me to fire right into that one. <laughs> I've I got mean, so many questions after that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what a way um, to start an interview. So my first question is as a goalie, how do you jump uh, four tires? Does that, <laughs> are you trying to like, are you a framing over the tires? Are you trying to like Superman over the tires? What's your thought process going up against these tires? I mean, I'll be honest. I was, I was feeling pretty rebellious at that time. So I was like, dude, there's no fucking shot. Like if it was like one tire jump the line, I would have given it, I would have given it my all. But as soon as he stacked it up like four high, I was like, dude, there's no way. And fortunately, the other goalie who actually played was like, yeah, there's no fucking way. Like, I'm not trying to – we got a game on Friday. I'm not trying to blow my ankle out. <laughs> How were the other guys jumping the tires? I mean, it it wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just – it was it was take three, four strides and then and then hope. You know what I mean? Well, they were just taking out the tires. They weren't really yeah. jumping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a lot of experienced jumpers. I think that was the first and last time we saw that drill in a practice. He also uh, <laughs> he also focused so little on defense. The drills, I, I remember the drill specifically. It was like a two it was like a, a two pass drill in the neutral zone, and then break in. And it started out two on o, three on o, and then it went to five on o. So we're like four weeks into the season, and we have not done any 
defensive drills. We've only done like two on O, three on O, five on O, like all sorts of shit, just breaking in on the goalies. Weirdly, I think we were like O and four at that point. Um, but one night, his genius idea for the defense was instead of adding D, he just put like two tires. This guy loved tires. Uh, he just put like two tires in the center of the zone and all of a sudden, like that was the best D you could have put against us. Nobody could complete a pass. We were so used to just like wide open five on ones or five on O's that uh, everybody was just struggling to complete a pass in the zone. At what point did you consider hiding all the tires at Fred Rust Arena so that you guys didn't have to use them at practice anymore? Well, first of all, the D3 team plays at the gold arena. We don't even get the rust. <laughs> where, where, where's the gold arena? It's, the, it's, it's that small little building behind the rust. If you go, if you really? go back there, there's a, yeah, there's a second sheet. <laughs> ah, is yeah. that Olympic or NHL-sized? It's NHL size, but the ceiling is like 12 feet tall. So teams hated playing us because you could not chip it out of the zone to save your life. That, uh, that sounds like Indiana fits. Yeah, it's, uh, you can reach up and touch the uh, ceiling with your stick. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's rough. <laughs> Ours was a little higher than that, I think. Did you guys have uh, your own locker room at that rink? No. 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 We had like – I mean, we had one locker room that we always used, but uh, as well as – uh, the back rink being where we played. It's also, it's got a pool attached, which is like a community pool. And for the first month of the season, half of the locker room would be boarded up. So people for the pool could use it. <laughs> so we've got a 30 man roster and probably like an eight by eight room trying to get dressed. Any uh, pregame dips in the pool or no? <laughs> we did. Uh, we, we had a guy do it one time on a dare and uh, suddenly the rink stopped letting us use that area to warm up. Talk a little bit. You mentioned a little bit about uh, Delaware having three teams. What's it like playing at a school that has three men's clubs, ho- club hockey teams? The culture varied uh, every year, and it really depended on who the D1 coach was. Uh, so the first year that I was there, there was a new uh, D1 coach, and he was all about like fostering like a farm system. You'd think that uh, – you'd think that with three teams we would have a farm system and kids would want to move up and we'd kind of use that to foster development. But very rarely, if ever, was that the case. Um, it was kind of just like you got your team your freshman year. There'd be a couple guys who jumped up the, uh, the second year. But after, after the second year, dudes pretty much stuck with where they were at because, you know, I mean, if you think about it, if you're a first or second line guy on one team, the prospect of moving up is cool, but, you're going to have to essentially start over. And that's why I, uh, I mean, aside from just generally not being very good, um, I stuck with D3 because after a while it's like, okay, I can start down here or I could be the third string and have to grind my way and potentially not see any game time my third or fourth year. So um, some of the coaches tried to make it like a farm system, but for the most part, we were like three separate entities Um the D1 team, the coaches like that to be all junior guys. Like I, I've spoken to him since uh, I did a little coaching down there and he doesn't want anybody under 20 on the team. Uh, D2 is kind of like half and half. And then D3 is all like the 18, like the young guys straight out of high school guys. It's really three totally different groups. Yeah. That's, that's like in Indiana, like we have a D2 and D3 team, but like the D3 team, we don't even really talk to them. Like they're, they're supposed to be like, like how you're saying a farm system but the relationship's just like non-existent yeah you you, (laughs) i totally understand that 
I think the theory of it is good, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, you don't even know. I mean, I feel like more guys hated each other throughout the teams than actually yeah. were yeah. friends. Yeah. Yeah. They used to play like a D2, D3 game, uh, like Indiana versus Indiana at the end of the year. And it would just result in a bunch of injuries. So they just stopped it. It's like just <laughs> hated each other. And it's like, how, how does this happen? You go to the same school. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we never did anything like that. I think one year they tried to schedule a D2, D3 game, but that was a, that was a quick waste of time. So you said you play on the gold rink in Delaware. <laughs> what, uh, what was the environment like that for home games? Did you get a lot of fans out there or is it kind of, uh, no, kind of no. pretty desolate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at like, there's a, there's a surprising amount of parents who came to like every game, but um, I mean, for, I grew up in Newark and my parents didn't even come to a lot of games. So, and um, I mean, really the D one team gets a pretty good draw. The D two team gets a pretty good draw, but I mean, for having rinks on campus, they're not that accessible. They're kind of out of the way uh, from the main campus. So it wasn't a lot of like foot traffic. There wasn't many people at any of the games that I went to. Um, We, uh, yeah, I mean, we would get occasional games. We would do a breast cancer game. You'd, you'd pack the house a little bit for that. But, uh, I mean, it was never like a, a, a packed house. I mean, we're looking at a rink that's the most basic setup possible. It's like you've got eight feet on any side of the sheet, and there's just one set of bleachers on the side. Uh, funny story, a, a team did uh, send a full school bus of fans to one of our games one time, so – I got uh, I got booed as I stepped onto my own home ice and consistently got to hear "Let's Go Lions" for the other team the entire game. So that, on top of getting absolutely smoked by them, was a was a pretty fun evening. What Did school you, is this? This is Bryn Athen. Do you guys know about Bryn Athen? They they do they have a varsity team now? Well, yeah. So they so Bryn Athen's whole setup was that like they had a rink on campus. The rink's a shithole. Um, is it like half outdoors? It's yeah, like, yeah. Like I, it's I remember got, playing there as a kid. And it was like half outside, half inside. It was a really weird setup. Yeah, it's got one wall. You have to walk like forty feet from the locker room to yeah. the ice outside. The, the uh, locker rooms were just like a separate building, like made of bricks, and you would yeah, walk it's just on like, like a that, like rubber up to the rink. It was the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and of course their locker room is like inside a nice little building. It's got like snack machines, a whole setup. But uh. So Bernathan started this team with the hopes of being a uh, NCAA D3 team, which they are now. And um, for some reason, they thought that a good place to start was ACHA D3. So they're recording like, or not, not recording, recruiting like, uh, like junior players, all these stud guys, and they just shit kicked everybody for like three seasons. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't even fair. They had uh the one dude I think had like 125 points in like 28 games the one season, like just blowing every team out of the water. That's wild. That's like somebody in administration was just like, oh, we should be a club team before we're a varsity team. We're a Division three size school. Why don't we be an ACHA Division three? Like that must make sense. Yeah, dude, it was – I mean, I think in all the times that we played them, the least goals that we lost by was six. And – yeah, it was – I mean, it, it's funny. A game against Bernathan was actually where that crazy coach um, that I talked about at the beginning resigned, uh, first time playing Bernathan. That's a 
that's, that's a, that's a fun story. Um, it was mostly my fault that he resigned. <laughs> um, so it, and even better than this, my now fiance, this was the first time, first hockey game she ever saw. Not only the first time she ever saw me play, but first game she'd ever been to. Um, so I think we got outshot like 30 to four in the first period and we were down like three, nothing. Um, and then in just a miraculous chain of events, we, uh, we scored three goals on like four shots, just three quick rushes tied the game. It was insane. And then all of a sudden there's a timeout. We're thinking the other team call a timeout. Our dipshit coach calls a timeout circles, everybody in and is like, all right, let's keep doing what we're doing. And we're like, yeah, no shit. Like, what did you call this timeout for? <laughs> um, so he sends us back out there. And um, I think by now the shots are like 42 to 10. Uh, three, three game. We instantly take a stupid penalty. All the momentum's lost. They end up scoring on the power play. So I'm like, ah, shit, like they score. Um, like, you know, just trying to get my head back in the game. I look over towards the bench and my goalie partner is skating towards me. And I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? And keep in mind, I found this out later. This kid, uh, I mean, you, uh, Glick, you probably know this. As a goalie, if you're, if you're backing up, at, you reach a certain point in the game where you're like, ah, the dude in that right now is, is playing well. So I can kind of kick my gloves yeah. off, hang back. Like, he's chilling. He's talking yeah. shit on the bench. Like, he, he's living. And then all of a sudden in a one-goal game where we have a good chunk of the momentum, coach is like, head in there, bud. <laughs> so I – lose my fucking mind like i uh i threw my stick at the coach i'm like i'm getting uh i immediately leave the bench i get off the bench um and i've got to walk around from the bench around the sheet ice probably like half of the distance of the ice to the locker room they scored twice in my walk from the bench to the locker room and uh i think my uh i think my goalie partner gave up like five goals on six shots in the last half of the, of the second period. I don't know if you ever seen the, uh, which mighty ducks is it? Is it, is it D two where they play in the Olympics one? Yeah. Yeah. The, so. the scene where the, one of the bash brothers gets fucking kicked out in the first, in the first shift of the game and is just breaking the locker room. They keep randomly cutting to him. That was me in that situation. So I'm pissed. And, uh, I'm sitting there half gear. I'm like, I start to calm down. I'm like, all right, solidarity, you know, like stay with the team, like whatever. Um, they come in after the second, it's now a nine to three game instead of a four to three game. First thing the coach says when he comes in the locker room is Heinz, you're going back in. And I was like, are you, are you out of your mind? You just blew this game. And, uh, he's like, yeah, you're angry. That's what I like. I want my goalie to be angry. I'm like, uh, all right. <laughs> So go back out there. I think the final score was like 13 to three. Needless to say, the momentum was uh, shot. And then, so uh, immediately after that game, I sent the, uh, sent the group chat a text and I was like, listen, this dude's a psycho between jumping tires and jumping rope and blindfolding and practice. Uh, this guy is an idiot. I like, I'm not playing for him. You, you know, I know I'm new to the team, but, you can have me or you can have him. And uh, so we had a meeting uh, before the next practice when we were basically like, we're going to sit the coach down and essentially tell him all the problems that we have. And uh, so we had this meeting. We're talking, <laughs> we all went, went around. Everybody was talking. Everybody was talking about their gripes. We had a good session. And then the coach came in and 
I guess we thought the team president was going to lead it or we hadn't communicated that all that well. But uh, the coach came in and the team president basically just had the, to call the guy an idiot to his face. And um, he was like, all right, well, you guys run practice tonight and then I'll see what you guys do. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll go from there. And we were like, all right, it's kind of weird, but okay. And then uh, he just left like 10 minutes into that practice. He just left and never saw him again. That's wild. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy down here in D3 boys. So was that game, the game where you got pulled, that was a one goal game. Was that at home or was that on the road? That was at home. Yeah. Like I said, to my now fiance's first hockey game, I'm like, and I'm also like a new guy on the team. So it was only like my third or fourth game. So I'm like, go out, make an impression. And even though I'd given up four, I'd stopped like 40. So I was, you know, it's weird as a goalie when you think you're playing good and you get yanked. Like most of the time, you you know, you get lit up. You're like, all right, I probably deserve to get yanked. Or maybe you're a little frustrated with yourself, but it was like, Come on, you guys hung me out to drive for 40 shots and then you're going to pull me in a one-goal game? I mean, you're above like a 90 save percentage. That's the golden rule. You don't pull a goalie who has it above a 90. Like four goals on 40 shots is a good game. I don't know yeah. how you ever pull you. I probably, I probably would have, like, I don't know how you got back in after that. I would have been way too frustrated. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, fortunately the game was lost at that point, so I wasn't <laughs> going in with much pressure. I can't imagine what your fiance was thinking when it's all going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First, first. Every hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aside from the absolute shit show, she just got to see me have an absolute meltdown. So, uh, aside from the games at, at the Gold Rink at, at Delaware, mm-hmm. um, what was it like on the road as a D three team? How'd you guys travel? How far did you travel? What was that like? I mean, we, I mean, we, we actually traveled in style pretty good, you know, like, uh, we, we had, we had the same bus system, all the travel and infrastructure of the three teams at Delaware is pretty much the same. So even though we were the hard bottom of the barrel, we still had, uh, buses for all the games and everything. Um, I don't, I think it's changed since Glicker, but when I was at Temple, we only had buses if the game was more than two hours away. Um, so it was it was a nice change for me. Uh, we would usually do like one big road trip every year. Like one year we went to Nashville, uh, so that was like twelve hours. Um, that was pretty cool. I mean, we had a couple. We we played in uh, Pitt Johnstown. You guys ever been there? It's the rink where they shot uh, uh, slap shot. Yeah, <laughs> almost almost blew out my ankle uh, stepping out on the ice because nobody told us that um, that uh, the the door is like three feet off the ice. Oh, geez. Now they did, uh, that rink won like the craft hockeyville renovation. Was this before the renovation? Yeah. Uh, we played there once before and once after. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The time after there was a junior hockey game going on beforehand. So there was a bunch of fans and, uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw in the, in the pictures I sent whoever runs the, um, the Instagram, but I had a real long mustache my senior year. Some girl, as I was walking to the locker room, just walked up and tried to grab my mustache. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, she was like, duster. yeah, she was like, you look like the thorax and I'm about it. And I was like, what? And then I just see her reaching into my face. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So we know you like to uh, 
you like to stop pucks, but we heard that you uh, you took one to the face uh, pretty recently. You want to talk about that? Oh yeah. So this is this is a fun story. Um, it actually it actually ends up tying into the whole uh, my experience in the hospital ties into the whole pandemic thing in a funny way. Um, so it's uh, I guess it was my fifth year. Um, so last year I, um, I had had some, my cage wasn't that old. So, uh, so it's a funny thing. Wall, the company who makes my mask, I emailed him about this incident afterwards. And I was like, Hey, uh, my face is broken and it's cause your cage didn't hold and it just let a puck through. And they were like, Oh, you're using an old cage. Why were you still using that? So great, great PR on them. Um, but anyways, so we were in, uh, we were in Connecticut um for those of you that don't know your d3 uh connecticut like the top three or four teams in the in the country for d3 are all in that connecticut area so we were we were playing a three game weekend up there i think uh two games um and uh i forget what team we were playing but we were getting worked over pretty good i think it was like five one five two third period this dude comes in my d kind of coast back. He cuts to the slot, rips one right at my face. And I watched the shot in and then it just like went black. And I, I knew what happened. And uh, so what had happened was the, you know, in a cat eye, the bars connect and then go towards the eye, the weld where it connects like right here to the eye actually broke. So it wasn't like my cage dented. I actually have the cage. So it wasn't like the cage dented. You can see it doesn't, it's not that dented, but I can flex it. So this actually like broke off. Um, so the puck was able to just finagle its way in. So I'm leaking out of the face. So I, you know, as soon as, like I said, it only went black for like a second, open my eyes. I look down, I see like blood coming down my Jersey and shit immediately throw my mask off. And I just, uh, start skating. <laughs> the funny thing was I didn't know where the door was cause it was an away game. So I like skated to my team's bench and they were like, no. And then sent me to the other team's bench. I, they had to like pass me down. I had to go the full length of the ice, um, to, to skate off. And, uh, apparently the trainer had said to one of our scratches before the game that like, this was his first day on the job and he hoped that nothing happened. And then that happened. Um, so I get off, they get me like an ice pack. I'm sitting there. I take my pads and my skates off. I still had my pants, my chest protector, my Jersey on and not, nobody wanted to call an ambulance. So, uh, some dude who worked at the rink was just like, I'll drive you. And I was like, all right. So, uh, me and the third string goalie hop into this dude's Jeep and, uh, we're driving to the hospital um, and it's like, it's probably like 11 o'clock that'll, that'll come into play later in the story. But, uh, so I'm sitting there, I like call my dad and I call my girlfriend at the time on the way to the hospital. I'm just kind of like, Hey, like, don't freak out, but my face is pretty fucked. Uh, like I'm good, but I'm, you know, I gotta go to the hospital. Um, so I'm going to the hospital. I walk in, I still got like, a, I've still got like, um, an ice pack and a towel over my left eye. Uh, and I'm like third in line. Cause you know, the ER, you still got to wait in line. And the dude in front of me 
just happened to look back at a moment where I like took my, uh, took the ice pack off and I was just letting it chill because the bleeding had slowed down. The dude turned and looked back and just went, Ugh, and then <laughs> looked back in front of him waiting in line. Um, so I ended up having to sit there. I take, uh, they take me back after like an hour. Uh, and they sit me down with this nurse. I guess he was a nurse. Uh, the dude didn't speak English all that well and had no idea what hockey was. So he's like, what happened? And I'm like, a puck broke my cage. Like, like I took a hockey puck to the face and he's like, Oh, you got hit with the hockey. And I was like, yep. Whole game right to the face. Um, so after like 20 minutes of talking to that guy, trying to explain what had happened, they're like, all right, go sit and wait. Like, cool. And keep in mind, I mean, it's like, if you glued a baseball to my face, like that's how far out swollen it was. And I was like, uh, I just didn't want to look cause I was like, that's going to freak me out. So as of now, I just know that I can't see out of my left eye. Um, but it's swollen shut. So I sit there, they finally take me back. And the reason that it like comically ties into the, the pandemic now is because uh, it was during that really bad, like gnarly flu outbreak. This is, I guess, late 2017, early 2018. Um, and there was a real bad flu season. So it's like, it's now it's like midnight, 1230. There's one doctor on call and like 40 people back in the small emergency room with the flu. So I'm just sitting there. They finally come in, um, they run through a test. They, uh, they're like, all right, we're going to stitch you up and then we're going to do another test. And basically that started this chain of them coming in and, uh, they would come in and be like, all right, we're going to stitch you up and then we're going to do this. And then they'd leave. And like 10 minutes later, they'd come back and be like, oh, now we're not going to stitch you up yet. Uh, we're going to do this and then we're going to stitch you up. And then they'd come in and be like, all right, we're going to do something else. And then we're going to stitch you up. Uh, so one of the, one of the cool things, I actually have a video I'll have to send it to you guys was that they put like uh, to, to check, to make sure that my eye itself wasn't cut. They put like a glowing solution in it and then shine the light. So I actually have a video of them because my third string, the, the funny thing is the third, my third string came back to the room with me. The dude who drove me to the rink just chilled in the waiting room. Like he's still there. Um, but, uh, so he has a video that he took of where they're shining a light on my eye and my eye is like glowing green. It's pretty cool. Um, so they check to see if my, uh, if my eye itself is cut, it wasn't. Um, what happens when you get a traumatic eye injury is you can get what's called traumatic iritis. Uh, so essentially what that means is that my eye dilated. Um, and I don't know if you guys have ever had your eyes dilated at the doctor's office before, but you're not, like supposed to be able to see or like see clearly, but I could for some reason. So they were just like, we have no idea why you can see right now. They, they made me do an eye test and uh, it was, I mean, it was swollen shut like bad. Like you guys saw the picture. That's probably 12 hours after it happened. And my eye was still that swollen. Um, so I asked the nurse, I was like, can you like hold my eye open? And she's like, no, like I can't help you at all. And I was like, okay. So I had to do this eye test, literally like pulling apart the swollen flaps of my eye and then doing like the classical, like uh, C W four. And then the only reason I couldn't uh, finish it was just because my eye was tearing up. So finally I was just like, listen, that's, that's good enough. And she's like, that was actually better than we expected. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so they finally, they finally stitched me up, uh, the um ended up getting 10 stitches there was a there was a uh, 
like a medical student shadowing the doctor who was taking care of me. And when they stitch your face, they put like a, like one of those dentist bibs, but with a hole in it on your face. So all you can really see is the stitched area. So I couldn't see anything. And halfway through getting my, uh, my eyebrows stitched up, I just hear the doctor say to the student, like, you want to give it a shot? And I was like, excuse me. And she's like, don't worry, I'm going into surgery. And I was like, all right. So I, yeah, I had a student stitch up my face. I, I don't think it was her first try, but it might've been. Um, but yeah, all in all 10 stitches in my eyebrow, uh, a minorly fractured orbital bone and my eyes swollen to shit. Uh, the other, the other thing was, so with the, with the flu epidemic, I mean, there was like, and I told you guys that, you know, they're running me through tests and, uh, pushing, getting stitches back. I didn't end up getting stitched up until almost three in the morning. Um, and then probably another 45 minutes before I left. So I'm like, and also I have no idea where we are <laughs> and my coach and the seniors had gone out to the bar. So I'm like trying to text my coach, like, where is the hotel? And he's, you know, he's feeling it pretty good. He ended up sending me like the full typed out website <laughs> of the, of the hotel's link. So I'm like, okay, I guess I can figure this out. And I'm also thinking that the dude who drove us there has left. We've been there for like five hours. And the dude just sat in the lobby by himself the whole time and drove me home or drove me back to the hotel. Yeah. No, I mean like I was fully prepared to call an Uber and then this, I come out and this dude's like, how'd it go? It's like, holy shit, you're still here. <laughs> um, I also got i uh, I'll have to see if I can dig it up, but I also got a, uh, a funny picture of the rookies in my hotel bathroom with all my gear, washing the blood off of it while I was at the hospital. That was a, that was a pretty good one. But, uh, but yeah, word travels fast in the ACHA too. Cause the next morning, obviously, so I'm in the hospital till like four in the morning. Um, we've got a game the next day and it's like an hour away. So I've got to get up at 8am and immediately, uh, hop on the bus to go to the next game. We actually, uh, we went to, we went to lunch at Chili's and we talked about the buses. Uh, there was one bus and it was like a cool, like Delaware wrapped. It had, you know, university of Delaware and pictures, of all the sports. We actually had that bus for some reason. And, uh, the, we stopped at like a Chili's and the trainer from the night before was driving by and saw the big Delaware bus and came into the Chili's to see if I was there. <laughs> he was like, Holy shit, dude. Like that was crazy last night. I was like, yeah. We, we filed in and we had like a table by the window and everybody took the seats facing the window and I'm looking like sloth from the Goonies with long hair at this point. And so I'm like, boys, like you've got to, like, you got to let me sit facing the windows. I'm not trying to ruin some family lunches right now looking like this. <laughs> and then the whole meal, like I was icing my face consistently the whole time. And the whole meal, the waitress would come and stand on my left and then like get pissed when I didn't notice her. So like five times she was like, what do you want to drink? And I'm like, you talking to me? Holy shit. Um, but yeah, all the guys from the team we played the next day were like, dude, are you the one who got your face broken? <laughs> like, let me see your eye. I was like, yeah, here we go. So that was, that was a fun story. You, uh, I see, I've probably seen your picture not looking at it. Uh, but you've got the vinyl wrap in Fred Rust Arena of you. Yeah. Yeah. How'd, uh, how'd you get that? Did you just show up to the rink one day and there you were? Uh, yeah, I just showed up to the rank one day and there it was, they were like, uh, 
I think somebody had mentioned it beforehand, like uh, like they're wrapping the walls, they're putting up players, like these who these are whose pictures got selected. Um, and all the other guys on my team who got picked, like I said, were the D3 team or the bottom of the barrel. They were on like doors in the back, um, not kind of out of the way. But when you walk into the Fred Rust Arena, there's like a lobby and then you go through doors and the rink is on your left and to the right, there's like a brick wall and that brick wall is the goalie wall. So, I mean, the, and I'm at like the front of it. So the first thing that you see when you walk into the Fred Rust arena is me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, be- I, I know exactly that you walk in and if you go to the right, that's the hallway that takes you down the locker rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, uh, so Glick and I coach goalies together and it's actually become like a, like a little thing now, whenever, whenever kids we coach go to uh, go play at Delaware, they, they send me a, they send me a picture with the picture of me. So I got, a, I got a nice little collection. That's awesome. I, I see you got the hat on now. Do you guys get good apparel? Yeah. Yeah. I actually got the hoodie on too. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Doesn't even say club on there. <laughs> no so they said they um they uh our president put club on there one time we were like dude don't sell us down the river just you know ud ice hockey um but yeah no we actually we did pretty well with apparel uh we would get you'd get like a, a polo and then some sort of warm-up attire every year so usually like it, if it wasn't a hoodie or warm-up uh or sweatpants you'd get like a full warm-up suit um you'd get a t-shirt basketball shorts so the the full gear one year we got uh snapback hats one year we got these beanies uh this is one of my favorite beanies ever so the the apparel situation was actually actually pretty good the funny thing though is that um the university has different allowances for uh the logos like university of delaware has like 12 registered logos but they only let like the, the logos that the D one team can use are different than the logos that the D three team can use. That's why all our different, our jerseys are so different. So that was like the biggest shit show of organizing apparel every year was figuring out what we were and weren't allowed to use. Um, the one year we just made one that was like similar to the D one logo that they wouldn't let us use. (laughs) So it was, I mean, the stuff that we got was very nice, you know, the guys that ended up taking over after the president who I was, who was there the first year, um, they did a, They did a real good job running all the stuff to make sure that while we were scrubs, we didn't get treated like scrubs. Did you, uh, you were named goalie of the year. Did, did the, your conference do any all-star game or anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they did, uh, it was the first year they did it, but they did like a, th- um, a three on three, like all day tournament for it. And, um, I showed up thinking like me and my buddy showed up like, Oh, this is, this is a joke. Like we're just going to fuck around all day, you know, like a men's league tournament. Um, so we, when we showed up, we immediately went to the bar in the rink. It's like 10 AM and, uh, our coach comes in and we're like, Hey coach, like what's up? And he's like, Hey, like, I don't want to like make you guys nervous or anything, but the entire DVCHC board is sitting behind you and they're kind of pissed that you're drinking this early. And we're like, Oh, we thought this was like a fun thing. Um, and then, uh, so we're getting the awards at the end of the day, but again, I'm thinking this is like, we're fucking around. And, uh, that was very much not the case. People were really putting in their all. So the first game I saw like, and my coach had picked my team and just to get all three of our Delaware guys on the team, we picked 
uh, very much not the best team. So I see like three breakaways in the first minute and I think all three of them went in and uh, my team president was actually there. And apparently one of the guys from the DBHC actually said to him in the stands, is that really the guy we're given goalie of the year? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it turned, turned it back on a little bit at the, at the end of the day. But yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of neat. They did like a, they had everybody out on the ice and uh, presented me with the award. I still never got the picture they took of me with it, but it was, it was a cool little ceremony. They did two all-star things uh, as well as the, the, um, the three on three thing. They also did the divisional all-stars, which that was a more select team and all the ACHA D three divisions met at one rink and we played a, a full tournament weekend. That was really cool. They ended up picking a, uh, a select team that actually went and played in a tournament in Russia. So that was, that was neat. Unfortunately, I was a graduating senior, so I wasn't even eligible. I had also sprained my ankle and decided to play through it. So I was playing on one leg. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, Bryn Athen and what was your, your favorite place to go play? You've talked about going to Connecticut, playing at the gold arena, favorite place to go play. I mean, my least favorite off the bat was Bernathan. Um, we see the, the thing was that and not a lot of these teams were packing the house. I guess my favorite place to go play was more was Rowan. Uh, but that was more just because we had a really good rivalry with them Homer away. It was always fun to play uh, that Rowan team. And it was actually not until my senior year that we beat them. Uh, we also ended up in this weird tradition with, uh, with the university of Maryland where we would always play them there at their senior night. So that was always fun. Uh, we did get robbed during one of those games came to the locker room between periods and, uh, somebody had just snuck into our locker room, taken everybody's, uh, everybody who had a wallet with cash in it, they took it. Uh, for some reason, like I said, I, I, I dipped at the time for some reason they took my tin. Um, but yeah, so we're like trying to figure out a police report in between periods at a game. Uh, they were always that was that was the most motivated I've ever seen a hockey team because as well as getting robbed, they also somebody also threw like a super dirty hit like right at the start of the game. It was like two to two going into the second. By the end of the second, it was twelve to two. Like we just steamrolled that team after we got robbed. But uh, aside from the robbery, that was always fun to play. Rowan was a great rivalry. Uh, another game that um, I had a fan spit uh, try to spit on me playing Stockton one time. That was a fun. We had a great rivalry with Stockton. They hated us. Um, yeah, those are. I guess those are the big three. Thanks for coming on. This is a great interview. You're the first goalie we've had on, and and the first one from uh, the seller of Division Three. I think you've got an interesting take uh, yeah. from your side yeah. of things for sure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, boys. It was, it was fun to come come regale in my time in the uh, in in the depths of club hockey down at, down in the D three. You know, it was a it was a hell of an experience. That's for sure. I will say, all of these. Uh, you know, I'm sure uh, a lot of a lot of kids who are coming or who are listening are going to be those those dickheads that I dealt with at tryouts who were like, oh, D three, like this is a waste of time. It's fun. You know, like if you get a chance to play club hockey at whatever level you can, you know, do it. Um, it's a lot better than you think it is, and you're, you're going to enjoy your time. So don't just be a, a nerd and pledge a frat or some shit like that. Play some hockey. 
All right, boys. I thought that was a pretty good interview from Forrest there. Uh, he kind of gave an insight onto what it's like to play not only D3 club hockey, but D3 club hockey at a school that has D1 and D2. Um, we've obviously got Glick on the podcast full time, but he was the first goalie we've interviewed. So he had some interesting stories. Um, the one that stood out to me was him getting the puck to the face. That's just, um, I feel like every goalie kind of has a story about getting hit in the head at some point, but um, his was definitely a little different than everyone else's. Yeah. I mean, I've had like my like cage dented and been hit in the face, but never as bad as something like what happened to him. My favorite story that he shared was uh, when he got pulled from the game and it was four to three and it was uh, started throwing stuff at his coach and, you know, ran in the locker room and, uh, he ended up getting put back into the game, but I think the best part of the story is that his fiance, um, it was her first hockey game she'd ever been to, and it's the first time she was seeing uh, him play. I think that's uh, a pretty funny story that he'll have for uh, his entire lifetime with uh, with her. So I don't, I don't know. I think that's just pretty, pretty. Um, because like, what what would she expect? Like, she, yeah. she all of a sudden is like, oh, like, does this happen all the time? Like, she doesn't know. So I think that that's just it's just hilarious. It was definitely a very unique game for um, him to bring her to to like expose her. Like, yeah, this is hockey. <laughs> He's also on a team being coached like it's the Mighty Ducks with tires <laughs> on the ice and. Yeah, I, mean, I thought he was about to say that we we pulled out the uh, the eggs and started passing them back and forth yeah. and soft hands. His um his practice stories are starting to make me like appreciate my 11 p.m. practices, even though you know I always am like, oh, these are terrible. Like at least I didn't have to jump over four tires. It's like even when coaches do that, it's like they think they're in the show, but it's like that's not what they do in the show. You think think Connor McDavid is jumping over tires? Not saying I'm Connor McDavid or anything, but like <laughs> the top players in the world are definitely not jumping over four tires stacked over each other. I guess that's just how they do it in D three. Shout out to the boys from Midland and Waldorf who uh, get to go at it this weekend and and uh, play some hockey. First ACHA, first ACHA hockey of the season. Very exciting stuff. Cancels the ACHA bubble. I guess that's not going to happen this year. Um, was disappointed that there's no ACHA bubble this year, but uh, I'll get over it. Just get all the like club hockey athletes in one place that would be wild that would be so bad yeah so bad if they an ACHA bubble would be an absolute shit show for sure um it, it would be a bubble for all of like 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> uh all right so that that uh just about wraps up episode four the hockey house podcast thank you guys for listening uh this has really grown into something more than any of us ever thought it would be um but like we said we're just getting started here uh you can start talking about actual acha hockey with it, it starting up this week so um looking forward to the weeks ahead here Might as well jump.